Amen. Hey, we are in our big finale, Abortion, the Mass Murder of Children, and we got a lot of ground to cover, so I'm going to shorten our exciting recap. You guys excited about the recaps every week? Yeah, yeah praise God, all one of you, John. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, that's right. We've already seen, of course, the history of the abortion industry, i.e. the mass murder of children movement. Uh, we dealt with the motive of the abortion industry, money, 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 money. Then we dealt with the sad news, the church, and where's the church and all this? Some people are actually going along with it, professing to be Christians. Key word there, not everybody says they're Christian, really is. The Bible's very clear about that. Uh, then we dealt with the response, how to give a reason, biblical, philosophical uh, response to let people know that I don't care what you say, I don't care what you say is a right, nobody has a right to murder children uh, in the womb, let alone outside the womb. And then, of course, uh, we dealt with the aftermath of abortion. We saw that, uh, that 100% of the time, it's the, you reap what you sow, okay? Uh, when you uh, sin, what happens? Sin hurts, sin harms, sin destroys. And so it's not only the sin of murder, murdering a child, but abortion also ruins women's lives, families, marriages, future society, the next generation uh, as well. And then, of course, we dealt with the survivors as well. Of course, I'm sharing these out of order. Survivors as well, uh, the the kids who survived their own murder attempt, but now they're adults telling the story. How do you answer that one? Hello. These are real people, and you're really murdering them. Last time, we dealt with the first part of the future of abortion, and we saw that if we don't speak up, uh, it ain't going to stop inside the womb. In fact, it's already happening. We've already seen that. In our country right now, there's discussion murdering children, not just inside the womb, outside the womb, and where we left off, now it's going even further than that. Now, how about we just get rid of those kids uh, that we deem as a society or the medical community as defective, right? Now you're getting into full-blown what? Eugenics, right? Uh, and again, you uh, meaning good, E-U, okay, uh, genics mean, you know, a race or genes, right? So good, good, good race, right? Well, if they got defects, that's not a good race. Who does that sound like? It's Hitler, folks. It's happening right now, okay? But again, they changed the terminology, but the eugenics movement through the abortion industry is still in high gear. Now, tonight we're going to see it's going to get even worse than that, okay? And it's not only, as we saw last time, creating that brutal, that was the word we saw there that Paul said would come on the scene in the last days, anamenaros, the brutal, savage society. And murdering uh, children certainly is brutal and savage. But it's also leading to the murderously wicked society. The final stage that the book of Romans says, once you deny God, you're going to hit that final stage with a depraved mind and it's going to get absolutely wicked. Murder is going to go crazy, not just in the womb, outside the womb, folks. We're next on the list, okay? But let's open up your Bibles to Romans chapter one. Let's take a look at that final stage tonight that God warned about 2,000 years ago, right? Romans chapter 1, we're going to take a look at verse 28 through 32. And as you turn there once again, the recap of the context, it starts this. It's the slides, the same slide we saw. We're taking a full circle tonight. We started here, we end here. And we're in, I'm convinced, in this final horrific stage. Okay, but Romans chapter 1, it starts out with, they had the audacity to say that there is no God, and they worship things instead of uh, the Creator, and, uh, and, and created things instead of the Creator. Uh, the scripture says, and, and they had the audacity to say that God doesn't exist, even though he gave him plenty of existence, 
uh, evidence of his existence. And of course, that's what evolution does. Then he says in the context, uh, as I'm just recapping here as you turn there, in the context there, he says, now once you give into that lie, which we've done with evolution, then you're going to get into an extremely immoral society, right? And we certainly got that. Then it says, if you don't turn from that, then you're going to start even condoning homosexuality and lesbianism. And we're certainly there. Then it gets to the final stage that Paul talks about in that slide. Once you turn away from God, and you promote that in your society, this is where you are headed. Now, let's take a look there at that uh, passage there. But Romans chapter 1 and verse 28 says this. Furthermore, this is the final stage. Since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, then he what? The final stage is, he says, all right, I'm going to give you over to a depraved what? Mind. Have you noticed that we are living that day? Have you noticed that what you say? How could you even think that? How did that even come out of your mouth? What kind of a logic is that? What in the, how many say, who in their right mind would believe something like that or promote something like that? Something horrible, some false, right? Well, that's a depraved mind. You can't even, it just, you, so it's the way, you, I'm going to give you over to that. That's a judgment from God. To do what? To do what ought not to be done. And those are the days that we live in. He says, now this society, they become filled. This is the final stage. They become filled with what? Every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, and what's the word there? Murder, right? Remember Paul said brutal, anomeros, last week. This one's murder. These people just, they just can't get enough of murder, right, is what's going to happen. Strife, deceit, and malice, they're gossip, they're slanders, they're what? God-haters, right? These people that are pro-murdering children, as we're going to see tonight, even pro-murdering adults, teenagers, kids, outside the womb, they hate God. Atheist, that kind of mindset, okay? They're insolent, they're arrogant, they're boastful. Listen, this, here's a key word. They what? Invent ways. Invent ways of helping humanity, improving our condition. They invent ways of doing evil. They just can't get enough of it, right? Then he goes on and says they, are, they disobey their parents. They are senseless, they're faithless, they're heartless, ruthless. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And we certainly saw that with the Supreme Court decision with homosexuality. They approve those things even in this context that God says you better not do that. It's going to get worse. But even when it comes to the brutal society, the murder mentality, inventing new ways of doing evil things, it's like, are you kidding me? What's next? How many times have we said that? It's, it's like they're what? They're inventing new ways. Who would have thought? Are you kidding me? Now they're doing what? They're inventing new ways of doing evil. But it didn't just say they would do that. They what? They approve of those who do things. And that's even going on in our world uh, today, okay? But basically, what we're seeing, the final stage, we're, we're just we're doing a full circle here. This is where we started, okay? And believe it or not, when you open up that Pandora's box of legalizing, murdering children inside the womb, you end up in this final stage because it's leading to murder, wholesale slaughter. In fact, the word there in the Greek there that says murder, it literally is the Greek word for slaughter. It's not just murder, it's just what is coming to your society in this final stage is a wholesale slaughter. Now, we see that to the tune of 60 plus million children being what? That, what's 60 million? 60 million is not just a murder. It's a slaughter. Okay? But folks, what we're going to see tonight is, again, it's not going to stop there. You're going to see a wholesale slaughter of now people outside the womb. 
It's, it's, it's a, and this is the rationale because it's that slippery slope. It's that Pandora's box, right? We've rolled over and played dead by and large. Okay. The church is silent on this issue. And so they're running with it. Well, if you've given us permission, wink, wink, we haven't, I haven't. But in our country, you give us permission to murder children inside the womb, okay, then this is our discussion now in our country, well, then we can have a discussion and murder them outside the womb. And then we left off last time, well, how about let's get rid of those defective kids as well? Well, again, this is their logical progression. Well, if we can have a wholesale murderous slaughter of those people, young ones, inside and outside the womb, hey, why not adults? Especially if you're going to go down that quote-unquote defective route, I mean, adults have defections, right? They got problems. Why can't we just get rid of them? Watch this. And this is where they're headed. They are going to invent new ways not to just kill children inside the womb. They're going to invent new ways, and dare I say those inventions are now in place, to murder adults. They're going to have facilities just like abortion facilities. They're going to have murder facilities to murder adults. To get rid of your defective loved one. That's an oxymoron. Let's go take my loved one and kill them. Okay. Uh, and, and then, of course, uh, you know, it, the government's going to get involved. And, 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 and then, then uh, again, it's a service you can pay. Like, you can go pay. If you can believe this, we're even having this discussion. But we can go pay to have a child murdered. That's abortion. So they're, they're going to develop these industries now so you can pay to have an adult murdered. And nobody goes to jail for it. And then it's even looked upon as something patriotic, something, something that's a good thing to do, which, again, is what euthanasia means. You, good, thanasia, thanatos, in the Greek is death, good death. But it's a good thing to do, okay? And then, of course, at first it'll be voluntarily, but then... Once the government gets a hold of it, then we'll decide who gets to live and who doesn't. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like a bunch of science fiction movies, right? Take your pick. Soylent Green or Logan's Run. Remember that one? At a certain age, you had to go off and die. You're going to see that there's people right now in the news saying that we need to die by the age of 75. The same, I'm going to show you the video tonight. Oh, you th- oh, oh. oh, and guess who this person is? Guess who this person is? This is the person who helped author... Obamacare. We're going to get there. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself. This is where we're headed, okay? Now, what I'm going to do tonight, I couldn't, man, praise God for Sandy, a faithful secretary and church administrator, because I tell you what, I, uh, I had a tape back when I was pastoring in Northern California. This was 15 to 20 years ago, okay? And, it, and I was getting ready for this study. I'm going, oh, oh, that cassette tape. Remember those cassette tapes, right? Yeah, you young whippersnappers, you have no clue what I'm talking about. How many of you guys remember, you, praise God for that pencil, right? Because you could, you could wind it up when you got it. Yeah. Remember that technique? That was serious high tech back in the day. But anyway, so uh, I, had a, I had a cassette. I got tons of cassettes and uh, it was a recording 15 to 20 years ago. And of all places, and I'm going to share the video here in a second. I made a video out of it, uh, but I found the tape. It was from a focus on the family broadcast. And Dr. James Dobson is interviewing this guy, uh, this guy here. His name is Dr. Bernard uh, Nathanson, okay, this guy right here, okay. And uh, he's interviewing him, and he warns of what is coming because we're not stopping abortion, 
Okay, but let me read to you just a little bit of, of his, his background, and then I'm going to play the, the broadcast, okay? And then we'll see that everything he warned about 15, 20 years ago, it's happening right now. It, it's, it, it's shocking and gross. But Dr. Bernard Nathanson, you go, who is he? Well, he is the guy, right? Let me share a picture again. He is the guy who helped usher in, this is the words, not mine, the barbaric age. That's our word last, last week, remember? Okay, <clears throat> barbaric age of abortion on demand. Quote, the most atrocious Holocaust in the history uh, in the world. He was the founder of the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Laws, the NARAL. Uh, he was the one that we quoted before, that I quoted before, who fabricated the numbers that women were dying by the thousands of these illegal abortions, and so we have to pass. He's the one who fabricated the numbers. So, and he was the one who, quote, paved the way for the passing of Roe v. Wade. So this is the guy, okay? Now, uh, yet it says here at his funeral, it was filled with pro-life activists, even though he was responsible for more than 75,000 deaths at the largest abortion facility in the world. Well, what happened? Well, even before he got saved, because eventually he got saved, okay, he came across ultrasounds, Okay, and it helped him to see what the pro-lifers knew, meaning that that's a human being inside the womb. He committed his last abortion in 1979. So shortly after he was the big guy that got helped Roe v. Wade pass, he comes across this, and even before, he's still a long way from being saved. He quit. He's still not a Christian, but he knew enough, man, this is crazy, he quit. Okay, certain that it would convince others that the abortion uh, destroys a living being who can feel pain. He produced this film, I got it in my office, uh, VHS, uh, it's called Silent Scream, okay, uh, which showed the aborting, the murder of a 12-week baby, and he said, as the baby recoils from the deadly instrument, it opens its mouth, quote, this is the silent scream of a child threatening with imminent distinction. As you can see there, it's kind of pixelated, but the cover there showed the sonogram of a baby screaming as they're killing it in the womb. That's silent scream. Now, what's cool, at least at that time, Ronald Reagan uh, hoped this would change minds, and he showed this at the White House. And on my way here tonight, uh, guess who is showing a pro-life video at the White House uh, here real soon? President Trump, he's shown that uh, it's not the unplanned video. It's that other one uh, of that other guy that's out there. Yes, that one. Uh, and he's shown that to the White House. So, <laughs> wow, praise God for that. Okay. Uh, but then he continued to come out. In 1987, he came out with this film that he directed and narrated. It's called The Eclipse of Reason. And in this one, I also have this on VHS. It explains abortion procedures. It shows the murder of a five-month-old baby. And then it interviews the ladies. And they share their testimonies of how, obviously, it destroys all their lives. Uh, now, and again, he's still not saved. He is the biggest proponent of pro-life. Because this is wrong. Right? Again, he's still not even saved. Right? Uh, but 1996... So basically, almost 20 years after he'd already turned around and stopped doing this, then he finally gets saved. He's a, he was a Jewish atheist, but now he became a Christian, okay? And, uh, and then he wrote about his life and his autobiography in a book uh, that he wrote called The Hand of God. And it's in here he realized that part of what turned him to Christ was the Christians and the Christians who witnessed and spoke up at abortion clinics, and what he had saw. 
And he says, man, he just, first of all, he said that uh, he finally, uh, while he was, uh, had some time in the Air Force, he attended a Bible study and discovered that the New Testament God was a loving, forgiving uh, uh, figure whom he could seek and ultimately find the forgiveness that he had pursued so hopelessly uh, f- uh, for so long. But he found out that he really could be forgiven even after what he'd done, the deaths of 75,000 children. So he said, but he was witnessed by the pro-life demonstrators. They were, he said, willing to suffer scorn and even jail and bankruptcy. Uh, and he says, they prayed, they supported, they encouraged each other. They sang hymns of joy. They constantly reminded each other of the absolute prohibition against murdering unborn uh, children. Uh, and he says that one just had a huge, big impact on him. But here's what he's, and I'm going to sh- again share that in a little bit. In that book that I just shared with you, The Hand of God, in this book, he said, this is where it's heading. And this, remember, this is the guy. So what he says speaks volumes because he's the one that helped get Roe v. Wade passed, and he was there. He says, what this is going to happen if we do not shut down abortion. He says, it will lead to, listen, not just euthanasia, murdering adults. It's going to lead to an industrial euthanasia. It will become, there will be centers to go to just like abortion, to murder children, there will be centers in our society launched everywhere and around the world to go take that person to, to kill them. This is what he warned. Now, listen to what he says from the book, The The Hand of God. He says, drawing largely from my experience with a similar brand of pagan excess, I predict that entrepreneurs will set up multiple small discreet infirmaries for those who wish or who have been talked into or coerced into or medically deceived into killing themselves. But that will only be the first phase. And then he throws out a name. He says they'll probably call it something like a thanatoria or a thanatorium. Now, again, the Greek word for death is thanatos. He says uh, they'll expand into chains, and then there'll be franchised operations. And then accountants will eventually assume command and slashing expenses and overheads as competition grows. And finally, streamlined and efficient, economically flawless version of the thanatorium will resemble so much, listen, as much as the assembly line factories that abortion clinics have become and farther on down the slope, the ovens of Auschwitz. So basically what he warned about, this was again 15 to 20 years ago. If we don't put a stop to abortion, here is your future. It's going to result in an industry to take adults to to kill them, which is the same thing, in essence, what Hitler did to the Jewish people, except this one is legalized by the government. At first, it'll be voluntary, but then again, eventually, even that will be taken away. So he died on February 21st, uh, 2011. He succumbed to cancer. And, uh, but I like what it says. Uh, his life is testimony of the power of God's grace, the power of truth. It's a profound encouragement that just as God created us, he can recreate any one of us, no matter the depth of our sin. Amen? So that's a message of hope. But here it is. It's about a four-minute clip of what he warned on tape. Again, you're going to hear Dr. Dobson at the very end because it gets freaky. I'm, and I remember even back then, I'm going like, I can't believe this made it on the air. But you can hear Dr. Dobson at the very end kind of do this nervous laughter. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Yeah, it is, dude. Watch this. Comment on, um, you know, I've used the word euthanasia so long, you've made me sensitive about <laughs> using it. Uh, how you see uh, that issue and where it's going and sure. what its impact is going to be? I'll, I've said this in the book, and I'll say it here. Uh, 
In the beginning, there will at first be very fine, quiet, dignified places, which they may call thanatoria or some fancy word like that, where you will take your elderly grandfather who's suffering from terminal cancer and they will be very understanding and and they will uh, kill him, but in a very quiet, uh, dignified way. And that will go on, but that will, of course, cost money. These are going to be little private infirmaries, and they're not going to be covered by insurance. That will go on until the accountants and the bean counters get a hold of this thing, because it's going to be a cash business like the abortion business, which is now heavily infiltrated by organized crime anyway. So the bean counters and organized crime and accountants get a hold of these clinics, which are going to spring up because they're going to create a lot of revenue. And the next thing you know, they're not going to be so clean and so nice and so quiet. They're going to be like factories. Bring in your over, and we'll get rid of them in a minute. And this is the way abortion clinics have gone, so that it's going to be a, a terrible, dehumanizing, disgusting industry. They'll try to regulate it. They will not be able to because it can be done in a doctor's office as well as in clinics, and eventually it's going to be end up exactly the same way abortion has, in the hands of a relatively small number of entrepreneurs who are making a fortune off the bodies of dead little babies and who have no respect for life at all. And that's what's going to happen in that area. What else in that area uh, stirs in your soul? Well, Dr. Dobson... Um, I had an eye-opener in my year at Georgetown in bioethics, and then I switched over to Vanderbilt for two and a half years and specializing in bioethics. And we talked some about abortion. We talked some about active killing and physician-assisted suicide and all the rest of it. But what struck me as the most dangerous threat on the horizon is the ethics of genetic manipulation and engineering. And people say to me, this is science fiction. Why are you talking science fiction? I had a priest say this to me a couple of weeks ago in Mexico City. But it isn't. If 30 years ago or 40 years ago, somebody said to me, are you going to create babies in test tubes? I'd have said, are you crazy? You've got to be locked up. But I'm telling you, this is not science fiction. They are preparing the, the desideratum here are two. One, immortality, somatic immortality on this earth we are going to be living a thousand years because the aging process has now been defined genetically and we've located the genes which are responsible for aging. And there is every reason to believe that these genes are going to be deactivated and we are none of us are going to age. The second thing they're doing is they are preparing to launch a new species. They are fortifying intelligence genes they are reducing other genes, and they're going to make a new species of person. Super persons with super intelligence, and persons who have no intelligence, but have brute animal genes in them, so they're very strong, and they'll do all the menial jobs. And you and I and everyone else here probably will be kept as pets. <laughs> Household pets. That is frightening. Fifteen to twenty years ago, he warned about that. Uh, I don't have time to get into the, the genetic alteration and things of that nature, but that's also going on. 
Basically, as you saw, Hollywood's doing a great job of preparing us for creating superhumans with the Marvel movies and the X-Men. That's actually going on right now. Uh, Lord willing, been sitting on a documentary I've been wanting to do for the last three years, and I'm hoping this fall, Lord willing, if we're still alive and still here, uh, to do a documentary called Human Hybrid, Super Soldiers, and the Coming Genetic Apocalypse. And I've um, been sitting on that research. I've been really wanting to get that going. But that, that will, that's dealing with what he also said 15 to 20 years ago on a focus on the family broadcast. The guy who what? The guy who headed up and got Roe v. Wade passed, who later stopped and then later became a Christian. He warned that this is the future, right? That you open up Pandora's box. Once you roll over and allow the murder of children inside the womb, it's going to move outside the womb and not just children, so-called defective children outside the womb, but defective adults and adults, and it's just going to become an industry. And so that aspect I want to hone in on tonight to show you that that industry to create what he said was coming, thanatoriums, to take your elderly there and get rid of them, knock them off, and become a, a cash cow like the abortion industry, that's already done. It's being done as we speak. I want to, but I want, to, I want to give you the trail. Now, again, the word euthanasia comes from two Greek words. Again, you meaning uh, a good or thanat- and thanatos, death, means a good death. Okay. Now, they do the same thing. Uh, when it comes to abortion. Remember we saw abortion, the, the, the people that are uh, for abortion, they, they hide behind their terminology, right? And, and they say, you mean you, uh, you're against uh, uh, pro-choice? Uh, yeah, I'm against anybody choosing to murder a child. And remember we said we can't use their term. We have to retell it so, because they hide behind it. It's the same thing with euthanasia. They say, oh, that's not a child, that's a fetus. No, that's a baby. It's not a fetus, Right? Oh, that's just a blob of tissue. No, that is a child. That is a small human being inside it. No, that's just a pregnancy termination. No, that you just murdered a child, right? Euthanasia does the same thing because it's the same death culture, right? They want to say that euthanasia is good death. It's not a good death. Now, some of the words that they use, you'll see them in the print. They'll call it mercy killing, physician-assisted suicide, uh, 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 imposed death. Translate it for what it is. When you see the term euthanasia, that is murdering adults. When you see the term physician-assisted suicide, it is a doctor helps somebody kill themselves. And you're going to see that eventually even that choice will be taken away from the person. That's really what it means. Mercy killing. There is nothing merciful about it. You committed a crime. You murdered somebody. This is the final stage of the... Romans chapter 1, warning from God, right? And now you put this together, murdering children by 60 million plus, okay? Just in the United States, around the world, it's up to 1.5 billion. Now you add to this death culture that's coming of murdering wholesale slaughter of people outside. That's exactly what that Greek word means. It means slaughter. In the last days, if you keep going down this route, your whole world is going to slaughter itself. And that's what's coming. That's the future of abortion. Now, again, supporters, they'll say, we're here to help the individual who is suffering, quote, die with dignity. There is nothing dignified with helping somebody commit self-murder, which is what suicide is. Okay? And that's really what's going on. So don't fall for their thing. And by the way, the word euthanasia, meaning good death, that's not a good death. Okay? That is an imposed or a forced death. Right? Uh, as well. But, but today we usually hear about euthanasia in the healthcare context. And just so you know, euthanasia is not administering medication that is needed to control pain. If a person is suffering, 
that's called normal, quality, good medical care. That's not what euthanasia means. Euthanasia amounts to intentionally bringing about a person's death. There's nothing merciful about it. You've accepted killing a child in the womb. Now you're accepting, let's kill that adult. And you're going to see it's going now even lower in age. Now teenagers are being knocked off and even young children. We'll get to that in just a second. Euthanasia, again, they call it assisted suicide. It's just murder. That's all it is. You would think that, man, how could we cross the line on this? This is a social taboo. Who would sit there and create facilities to go take people to to kill them off? Well, it's already happening. But again, it's Pandora's box. You roll over and play dead on killing them inside the womb. They're going to do it outside the womb. That's the future of abortion, right? Now, what, uh, the, as we talked before, what they do is they, little by little, it's called soft disclosure, right? Because if you appear on the scene and say, hey, we want to create thanatoriums. We want to create another industry of death. And make millions, if millions, if not billions of dollars off of killing adults now. People would freak. So you slowly but surely get them used to the idea. You, you twist the term. Oh, it's not murdering an adult. Right? It's just, um, it's dying with dignity. Oh, who could be against that? No, it's murdering an adult. Right? They're doing the same thing. Now, one of the guys, of course, that really begin to crack it was this guy, Dr. Uh, Jack Kevorkian, right? Remember that guy? And when it first came out, it was like, this guy is nuts. He's crazy. Lock him up in the jail. Oh, did you know he has to date, uh, on record, he has murdered 130 people. Not one, not 30, 130. Excuse me? But he was the one that really, I'd say, we're going to do a little history here, but he was the one that basically, at first people just, oh, they just freaked out, but it got the idea going, right? It's called soft disclosure, Jack Kevorkian, okay? And again, uh, they said we, we have to understand that uh, you have to oppose this because what it will lead to is eventually they'll create these facilities, and at first you get to make the choice, but then that choice will be taken away from you. It'll even be taken away from the loved ones making the choice for you, which we're already at that stage. I'll get to that in a second. But then the government will decide when you live and when you die. Okay? Now, another one that they have, it's called a movement. Like they have the abortion movement, which is really the mass murder of children movement. They also call it the right to die movement. You mean to tell me you're against the right to die? I'm against helping adults kill themselves. And I'm certainly against even taking away the choice for adults to kill themselves, which they shouldn't do it anyway, because again, suicide is self-murder. Murder is wrong. Murder is a sin. You just did it to yourself. It's wrong. But of course I'm against that. But again, that's what they do. They hide behind the terminology. Now, believe it or not, this has been going on for a long time. When you look at history, even as far back as in Greece and Rome, in the 4th century B.C., listen to this, they had something which was still in existence until about 30 years ago. It was called the Hippocratic Oath. Are you guys familiar with that? It was for those people that uh, down typically in the Southeast Asian countries that would have uh, hippos for pests and you had to sign off on an agreement how to take care of them. No, that's not what it was, John. I knew you were thinking that. No, the Hippocratic Oath, okay, was by the father of medicine, uh, Hippocrates, or for those of you hooked on Southern Greek, Hippocrates. 
like the Socrates, no, Socrates, but anyway, whatever. Uh, but Hippocrates, he's the father of medicine. That's where we get the Hippocratic Oath, the father of medicine. And believe it or not, in our medical industry, everybody had to sign off. They had to take the Hippocratic Oath when they became a doctor. And even back then, the fourth century, he said, quote, this is part of the Hippocratic Oath. I will please no one, and I will not prescribe a deadly drug, nor give advice which may cause his death. He also goes on and says, nor will I give a woman a device to procure an abortion. Even back then, that's part of the Hippocratic Oath. And we see now they're doing both. They're violating that very oath. Okay, but anyway, so let's back up a little bit before pre-Kevorkian and show you how this death culture to now murder adults outside the womb, which is really an extension of eugenics from Hitler, is in full swing today. It did not die out with Hitler. It continued with Margaret Sanger, okay, still to this day with Planned Parenthood, the abortion industry. But now it's continuing with the adults, okay, who made it alive outside the womb, okay, uh, with the euthanasia movement. Now, uh, in 1938, 1938, who was also rising to power in 1938? Exactly. The Euthanasia Society of America was founded in New York. New York. Is New York a liberal state? You're going to see, uh, uh, once again, a parallel. You wonder why I keep calling the Democrat Party the death party. But guess who, by and large, is not only for complete uh, termination, the murdering of children all the way up to birth, uh, but guess who's also now promoting uh, killing people outside the womb? The Democrats. Okay, but anyway. So that was founded in, in 1938. And listen to their stated goal right out of the gates. Quote, to gain social and legal acceptance for the, quote, right to kill not just babies inside the womb. The right to kill, quote, vulnerable human beings. You think, well, that's a loaded term. Well, they, dis- they define it. Quote, people, the organization called mental defectives and incurables. <laughs> yeah, really. Or did you know that there's terminology now in the press that they're saying that you and I, as an evangelical Christian, that we are mentally deficient? that we have a mental religious disorder. And in Europe, there's actually terminology, it's in print, that when they are in the courts, they are saying that they want to outlaw what we call sharing the gospel because that is a form of mental manipulation on somebody else. So again, the power of those words, mental defectives and incurables, who gets to define that? You're thinking, well, it's just somebody that's got brain dead. They can say you're mentally defective and we need to get rid of you. But that was at its inception in our own country, New York, in 1938. Then in 1939, they made their first attempt to legalize. They weren't messing around, right? Uh, To legalize euthanasia, i.e. the murder of adults outside the womb. But it didn't really get much headway. So they, quote, changed tactics. So they sat back, and for the next several decades, they went into the medical industry and the educational industry to get their terminology equipped, and to change the minds of the people. That's exactly what they did. In 1967, by that time, they had launched a massive educational campaign, and this is when they introduced their first foot in the door, and this is their word. This will be a foot in the door for the social and legal acceptance of euthanasia, and that was what? The thing called the living will. Because if we can get you to sign off on that, then that's the first crack in the door that you're not going to wait for natural circumstances, will help you. Whoa. 
And this is their words, quote, that's the foot in the door. Back in 1967. And then, of course, 68 and 73, they unsuccessfully uh, tried to get the right to die legislation passed in Florida. But you're going to see now they're, now they're not just educating, but now they're attacking the court system. And, and at first, they're not getting anywhere. But once they start getting that crack in the door, then you're going to see to today, it's going crazy. The, the floodgate has been open. But back in 1968 and 73, when they're pro- pushing this through Florida, it was a, a, a guy named a, a Walter Sackett, a pro-euthanasia killing adult doctor. He said this would save billions of dollars, quote, if the state's mongoloids, that was the term they used, it's not politically correct today, that's Down syndrome, we would save billions of dollars if the state's mongoloids were permitted to succumb to pneumonia. So they tell you why we're doing this. These people don't deserve to die. They're defective. Let them go. Let them die with pneumonia. We ain't, we ain't going to give them care. We're going to help them die. That's euthanasia. Then in 1973, they had their big breakthrough. Roe v. Wade. Because you're going you're to say, now we can have facilities to murder children. Man, we're gonna, adults are next. Right? And the very next year, a guy named Joseph Fletcher, he took over the president of the ESA. He's known as the father of, quote, situation ethics. Have you heard that term? Okay, this is the guy that starts that. He was, listen, a professor and, listen, an Episcopal priest who later renounced his belief in God. Oh, he lost his salvation. No, he was never saved, right? 1 John 2, 19 says, the reason why they went out from us is because they what? They never belonged to us. If they had belonged to us, they would remain with us, but they're going to show that none of them belong to us. He was a fake guy. Right? As we saw before in our study. Now listen to his mantra. This is the father of, quote, situation ethics about bringing this death culture murdering adults. He said, quote, what has taken place in birth control, meaning you've accepted that now, 60s and 70s, is equally important in death control. You start over here, and it's going to open up this over here. Same thing. And he said, quote, based on the notion that there are now no fixed moral laws, i.e. they got rid of the Ten Commandments, he says, now one can make exceptions for killing unwanted born children, people who are suffering, the elderly or handicapped, or who are a, quote, burden on others, which includes the health care, which the the prices are skyrocketing. And we need to get rid of those people that are just costing too much. Get to that in a second. 1975, they changed their name to the Society for the Right to Die. Why? Because they were concerned that the word euthanasia, ESA, society, uh, was reminiscent of the Nazi killing program, and it might be hindering their success. So again, they admit that they're, we got to change names because people are equating this with eugenics and Hitler, and rightly so. So they changed it to the Society for Right to Die. Then in 1976, they they had a, a, a huge breakthrough in California. Is that kind of a... A Democrat, liberal kind of place? Yeah. Anyway, that's when the, quote, Natural Death Act became law. Again, back to legal wills. Now, it's not just an option. Now you have to. And then they said, now they got it in one state, and the push is to legalize it in every state. They got their foot in the door, right? To legalize it. Now you don't have a choice. First it starts as a choice. Now you don't have a choice. Then New Jersey, Supreme Court New Jersey, is that a... State that's yeah. uh, they decide uh, decide the first right to die case. Now we're going to put it into action. Do you see the slow step by step process? Let's put it into action. Now we're going to start murdering adults, right? And then we're going to equate that as we're being merciful to them. 
It's crazy. The first big one, of course, was this lady, a Karen Ann Quinlan, and she had, uh, and this is 1976, this, she had a severe brain damage. They killed her. Now, this was an important breakthrough of conditioning because, quote, the court implied that the decision of another person to refuse treatment for an incompetent patient was the same as the patient's decision. You see what I'm saying? They finally got to the point now, she did not ask to die. See, the the term they have, physician-assisted suicide. I have a right to die. If I want to die, I'm going to die. Well, this is a case, even back then, where she didn't make that choice. Somebody made that choice for her. It wasn't her. Okay? And this step went, quote, a long way in obliterating the distinction between voluntary and involuntary euthanasia. So that was a huge, huge, big breakthrough. Then in 1980, uh, they created what was called the Hemlock Society. Uh, This guy, uh, Derek Humphrey, he's a British uh, journalist. He moved to the U.S. with his second wife. Well, what happened to his first wife? I kid you not, in 1975, he, quote, helped his first wife kill herself by poisoning her morning coffee, and then he wrote a book about it called Gene's Way. And he didn't go to jail. He killed his wife. Now, what's the Hemlock Society's purpose? Quote, to promote death on demand without restrictions. That's their society. And, of course, they're named after the poison hemlock, right, that the ancient Greeks used for what? State-assisted suicide. They know exactly what they're doing. Then in 1980, you had the World Federation of the Right to Die Society. So now they're branching out. They're going across the world, right? 1984, this lady, man, this is sick, Dr. Helga Kuz, she's from Australia, she said this, quote, if we can get people to accept the removal of all treatments and care, listen, especially the removal of food and fluids, well, they signed off. They said they don't want to have any care. And that's how my grandmother died. In fact, I'll never forget, we were in there, my sister, who's a nurse, the medical staff chewed us up and down because my grandma's lips were so parched. And we were giving her ice chips, and she was dying. And they said, you can't do that. It's against the law. Starvation, folks, and dehydration is one of the worst ways to die. And yet that's supposed to be mercy killing, a dignified way to die. No, it's not. It's their first step to supposedly getting legal right. But they said that's the first, first part. If we can get people to accept the removal of all treatments of care, especially the removal of fluids and food, listen, they will then see what a painful way that is to die. That's yeah, horrible, dying, dehydration, and starvation. Quote, then in the patient's best interest, they will accept lethal injection. Do you see what the first step was? The living will. Then it'll be an option. Then it's going to be demanded by the states. Then we won't let these people have food and water, but that's a horrible way to die. Let's inject them now. They're spilling the beans of what their plan is. It's a step-by-step process. Then in 1985, 300 people from all over the U.S. gathered at the Second National Voluntary Euthanasia Conference sponsored by the Hemlock Society. And here's some of the many issues they discussed. How can active euthanasia be brought about? One of the suggestions was, hey, we could use a, quote, plastic bag with light sedation. That's sick. That's sick. So just put a bag over their heads and give them some morphine. That'll get rid of them and give us some money for doing it for you. For being merciful. Does a providing a person with the 
information on how to commit suicide constitute a crime? Yeah. But that's what they discussed. And should children have the right to choose euthanasia or suicide? No. But they've already done it. I'll get to that in a second. And again, uh, they said uh, that, again, what they're going to do is also they're going to get this into the doctors as well with money and use money. Then in 1987, they had another big uh, breakthrough for them. This is a 32-year-old Nancy Ellen Jobes. She was killed by dehydration after the New Jersey Supreme Court upheld lower court decisions, even though, listen, two neurologists had found that Nancy was aware and responsive and purposeful, and they still killed her. Hmm. 1988, you had the Americans Against Human Suffering. Now, notice how they keep changing their terminology. I mean, who's against human suffering? You mean you're against the rights to protect people from human suffering? Yes, I'm against the right for you to so-called kill people. You're hiding behind the terminology. That's all it is. You kill children in the womb. Now you want the adults outside the womb, right? But again, this is when they began to form the legalization of physician aid in dying, okay? Now, in 1989, the Hemlock Society moved from California to Oregon, now, is Oregon a wonderful conservative place to live? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, and uh, so they get that up there to try to pass it up there. Now, listen to their goal when they moved up to Oregon. To gain social and legal acceptance for euthanasia, okay, by the omission, the removal of all medical treatment and care, particularly food and fluids, and action by lethal injection, quote, whether or not the patient has expressed a wish to die. Whoa! Now you think, well, it's, they didn't even do a living will. They didn't even say, oh, yeah, I want to die. So now you're going to make that decision? What kind of a society is this? And then, of course, back in, uh, then we made it to 90. This is when this guy again, uh, Jack Kevorkian, he hooked up the first one, of course, Janet Atkins, to his self-execution machine. She was an Oregon woman uh, in early stages of Alzheimer's. And uh, uh, criminal charges against him were dropped. Uh, and the judge just said, uh, don't use that machine again. Can you imagine? Can, I mean, and by the way, he's, he, that's his machine. He invented, invented ways of doing evil. But can you imagine somebody going in the street and poosh, they literally shot somebody in cold blood? And then the judge says, all right, don't do that again with that gun. And they go free. That's what happens with this guy. It's absolutely crazy. And then, of course, he goes on his killing spree. And then in 1990, they have uh, the U.S. Supreme Court decided the first right-to-die case, and it said that they uh, concluded that a state may apply evidence in proceedings where a guardian seeks the discontinuing nutrition and hydration of a person diagnosed to be in a persistent vegetative state. So again... They're continually going on. Then in 1990, they passed what's called the Patient Self-Determination Act, which forces all health care facilities and programs to promote advanced directives for health care. Okay? And if you don't comply, you will be penalized by loss of federal funds, such as Medicare reimbursement. So they force them in the money. Now it's the law. You have to do it. 1991, they introduced the Society for the Right to Die. Uh, they changed their name to Choice in Dying. Are you against that? Yes, I'm against that. And again, end of life choices, living wills. Uh, 1991, they start pushing it through Washington. They rejected it. Uh, 1992, they pushed it in California. They rejected it. But again, they're getting closer each and every time. How many times did they approach the states with legalizing homosexual marriage? 
tons of times for many years. And finally, eventually, what happened? It cracked. It's the same thing with this as we're going to see, right? Then finally, in 1993, in Washington State, uh, they, they developed what was called Compassion in Dying to, quote, counsel the terminally ill to help them with personal assistance to hasten their death. So now we need to bring, if you, if you haven't come to that conclusion on your own, we're going to bring in a panel of people, sit down with you and say, you need to die. Exactly, and it's in the Obamacare. I'll get to that in a second. 1994, Oregon, finally, they got through. Narrowly passed, but they made it through. The Death with Dignity Act. And then in 1994, every state in the U.S. now enacted some type of advanced directive, uh, a major victory for the right to die movement. And then by 1999, that's, uh, that's when Kevorkian was up to 130 people he had murdered. It's crazy. Uh, uh, 2000 Choice of Dying, they once again changed their name. Now they're Partnership for Caring. The Hemlock Society by 2003 changed their name because Hemlock, somebody might read something in history and realize that's a poison. And they changed their name to End of Life Choices. Then in 2004, Compassion in Dying, which is now headquartered in Oregon, uh, and End of Life Choices, which was formerly the Hemlock Society, headquartered in Denver, a huge liberal new agey place they merged together and now they combine them, their work and they're called compassion and choices all right then about this time you had another breakthrough that was a big deal in our country that was the case with terry schiavo remember that and who decided that she should die the courts the courts gave permission legally that you cannot you have to honor the husband's wishes was that her wish no so the courts said, legally, she has to die. That was a huge, huge break for her. And she was denied all food and water until she died, which is a horrible death. 2006, or- Oregon Supreme Court rules in favor of Oregon's now phys- uh, physician-assisted suicide law. 2008, Washington State voters, here comes the floodgate, uh, the Washington Death with uh, Dignity Law was passed. 2009, Montana Supreme Court affirmed physician-assisted suicide. 2013, Vermont becomes now the fourth state, fourth state with the Death and Dignity Law. 2014, New Mexico rules in favor of physicians to help patients to end their lives. Uh, and prohibits the prosecution of physicians. So now you can't send somebody to jail who murdered an adult. That would be against the law in New Mexico. Then 2014, this girl died, uh, 29-year-old Brittany Maynard, after moving from California to Oregon, where that state she had the, quote, right to die, was uh, protected by law. They put her to death. This is sick. Folks, do you see the trail? This is the future of abortion. You rolled over and played dead, and it became a legal right to murder children. The same death culture, folks, that God warned about in the final stages of a depraved mind, they're going to do the same thing to adults. It's eugenics in high gear. And it just uh, happened not that long ago. California now, oh, is California a wonderful conservative? No. California has now passed physician-assisted suicide. Watch this. California is now the fifth state in the U.S. to legalize assisted suicide. Monday, Governor Jerry Brown signed a bill allowing terminally ill patients to legally end their lives using doctor-prescribed drugs. The bill includes requirements the patient be capable of taking the medication themselves and that two doctors approve it. But opponents say the bill legalizes premature suicide. 
people should know that where assisted suicide is legal, some people's lives will be lost without their consent through mistakes and abuse. No safeguards have ever been enacted or even proposed that can prevent that outcome, which can never be undone. At least 24 other states have introduced right-to-die legislation this year. How many states? Folks, they, they took, it's just the same thing with the homosexuality. Remember, it took years and years, and they cracked and cracked and lost and lost and lost and lost and lost. And lost and then they barely made it. And then once they finally got their foot in the door, what happened? <clears throat> same thing's going on right now as we sit here. To murder adults outside the womb, the right to do that. But I'm telling you, that right will be taken away from the individual. It's wrong to do it anyway. It's called suicide. It's self-murder. It's wrong. But they're going to take that away. Now, of course, uh, this just happened last week. I mean, California, Oregon, uh, you know, Washington, you know, all these liberal states. And, well, New Jersey decided, yeah, let's do it too. This happened just last week. get younger, don't they? We'll get to that in a second. But right now in our country, folks, there are nine states that allow, yes, we can now kill your adult. We'll do it for you. That's our culture now. California, Colorado, District of Columbia, Columbia, Hawaii, Montana, uh, Oregon, Vermont, Washington, you just saw starting, Lord willing, August 1st of this year, uh, New Jersey. Okay. Oh, and by the way, I mean, apparently if uh, it's the rage amongst the Democrats, because this just came out too, uh, this guy here uh, in New York, is that another uh, liberal state? Yes, it is. What's he saying? Hey, New Jersey got to do it. What? We need to do it here for New York as well. Do you see the floodgates opening? What are we talking about here, folks? That's the same state that said it's perfectly fine to kill a child all the way up to birth. Now it says we want to kill adults too. And you wonder why, I'll say it again, folks, the Democrat Party, my new term is they're the death party. They want to kill children and now adults. This is sick. This is the world that we live in today. 
All right. And again, uh, now it is even spreading across the world. Uh, assisted suicide, murder of adults, people, period, is legal in Australia, Belgium, Canada, China, Colombia, Denmark, France, Germany, Iceland, Ireland, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, New Zealand, South Africa, Switzerland, Uruguay, United Kingdom, and of course we saw in the United States. But now, again, hey, uh, if we kill children outside, inside the womb, and now we get to go to this spectrum here, and we get to kill these supposed elderly people and well forget that how about just anybody that wants to die but they're adults uh, 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 how about we just kill kids too folks that's already going on let me show you a couple of headlines folks this is sick uh, children are being euthanized now what's that word mean murdered children are being murdered in Belgium children ages 9 and 11 have been euthanized in Belgium they were given lethal injections in the European country, which permits children uh, to choose to die with terminal uh, illnesses, right? Uh, Belgium had given lethal injections to a 17-year-old who was suffering from muscular dystrophy, a 9-year-old that had a brain tumor, and an 11-year-old that had cystic fibrosis. What? So now it's not even terminal stuff. It's like, you don't like the shape your body's in? We'll kill you, even if you're a kid. This is sick, folks. And what, what, what's the word there in the Romans? Murder? It means slaughter. This is a wholesale slaughter of people inside the womb, outside. It's crazy. They were the first children under the age of 12 to be euthanized anywhere. Belgium changed its euthanized, uh, euthanasia law in 2014, giving doctors, listen, giving doctors the legal right to terminate the life of a child no matter how young the patient was. So they may even go earlier than that. And one guy who defended says, I saw mental and physical suffering so overwhelming, I thought we did a good thing. Euthanasia, good death, that's sick. A good thing. You killed three kids. Good thing it's not going to come over here. You know where I'm going. It's already happening in Canada. It's hopped the pond already. Canada is getting ready for child euthanasia. Quote, a race towards the once unthinkable is now accelerating. Their argument is there is no logical argument for limiting euthanasia to adults. I mean, after all, children, quote, suffer too. Euthanasia has uh, a popular support in the Netherlands. Uh, Infanticide is openly practiced by Dutch doctors over there. I didn't know that. That's gross. And they also promote disabled babies can be put down. This is sick. Now, Canada appears to be on the verge of allowing children to be euthanized, i.e. murdered. That development is especially alarming for the United States, given that Canada is our closest cultural cousin. And, quote, some parents, even parents, are get, it's one thing, the medical, anybody, this is wrong. But the educational process and to the minds of the people, quote, some parents are already in Canada open to having their sick children killed. Now, how sick is that? As a parent, you take care of your child. You don't say, you know what, this is too much of a burden for me. Let's kill them. I should have a right for that. That's happening. And how is that any different than the argument that they use for abortion, murdering a child? This child in the womb is a burden to me. I, I don't have time to take care of it. Let me kill it. Now they're doing the same thing outside. It's not coming, it's already here. It's crazy. Oh, and by the way, that's if the parent wants to go along with it. Now, watch this headline. Toronto Hospital releases assisted suicide plan for kids. You don't even need to inform the parents. 
Yeah, and I quote, Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children revealed that in some cases, the young person's parents will not be notified of the intention to end their own lives until after the death is confirmed. And the person warns this, when a culture differentiates between lives worth living and lives worth ending, the consequences, the young, the old, the sick, and the disabled are disastrous. And they said this, we all know that in Canada, oh, is that government-controlled health care up there? Yeah, we all know that in Canada, an ER visit for a frail elderly person means lying on a gurney in the hallway for hours. Quote, that's the last place a dying person would want to be. This is the kind of humiliation that, that we should be ashamed of. So let's kill him. So you created the problem, didn't you? You created this government health care system that people have to wait forever. And granted, they are suffering. But now your thing is, let's not improve it. Let's not get more doctors. Let's not open up more facilities so they don't have to wait as long. Let's get rid of them. Let's kill them. That's not going to happen here, is it? Of all places where this appeared, this was in the Washington Times, which is not known to be a conservative paper. Watch this. Saving money but costing lives, the Obamacare death panel should be killed before it's too late. In the Obamacare law, oh, by the way, the government has taken over our health care. Oh, and by the way, the Democrats right now, what's one of their big talking points for the next election? We need health care for all. The government should take care of all of our medical. And these are the same guys that want to kill children inside the womb and adults outside. Do you think there's a plan? But even in this paper, they admitted that in the existing health care system that the government controls, the Obamacare, that there are these things called death panels. Now, Republicans did speak up back in the day, including Sarah Palin, another guy I'm going to show you. And anybody that said, oh, there's death panels in there, they, they were laughed at and mocked at. But then now they realize, I guess it really is in there. Watch this. Here's the problems I have with the Affordable Health Care Act. Number one, there is a provision in there that anyone over the age of 74 has to go before what is effectively a death panel. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's in there, folks. You're wrong. Of course, there are death panels in there. But uh, the important thing to remember is that's just one aspect of this atrocious, unaffordable, uh, cumbersome, burdensome, evil policy of Obama's, and that is Obamacare. And what do you think their motive is for coming on to the, the, your side, saying, hey, maybe we should slow down with this law? Well, it's in black and white in the law that uh, there will be rationing of health care. They couldn't go forever in not acknowledging that or they would look like complete buffoons and they would be uh, deemed incompetent having not read the law to understand that uh, death panels are a part of this atrocity. President Obama stood before a joint session of Congress and said there is no such thing as a death panel. Is he a liar? He's not lying in that those two words will not be found in any of those thousands of pages of different variations of the health care bill. No, death panel isn't there. But he's incorrect and he is disingenuous. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel was one of the architects of the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare. He presumes to be interested in preserving life, which is why it seemed outrageous when Sarah Palin accused him of wanting to create death panels. That was him. He was the death panel guy. But it turns out 
Palin might have been more right about Ezekiel's intentions than the country gave her credit for. Because Dr. Emanuel just penned an article in The Atlantic entitled, Why I Hope to Die at 75, with the subtitle, An Argument That Society and Families and You Will Be Better Off If Nature Takes Its Course Swiftly and Promptly. In it, Emanuel clearly outlines why he thinks everyone should have the decency to die before turning 76. He accuses Americans of being obsessed with trying to cheat death. He chastises people for exercising, for doing mental puzzles, for sticking to healthful diets, for taking supplements, as if those actions are actually evil. He says all of those death-cheating behaviors are part of a manic cultural type that he calls the American Immortal, which he vehemently rejects as misguided and destructive. Destructive as in if you spend medical and financial resources trying to extend the life of a 76-year-old, you're being destructive to society. Sounds pretty death panelish there. The words, and this is where they, again, they hide behind the terminology. Everybody said, oh, wow, if you actually read this health care bill, which, by the way, remember, we need to pass it so we can find out what's in it. Remember that baloney from Pelosi, I believe, right? Uh, But, yeah, the word, as Palin said, death panel's not in there, but that's what it is, right? And then they admit that now this guy that authored this, that's what he's saying. What it's actually called... It's not called the death panel. Of course, that'd freak people out. It's called the IPAB or the Independent Payment Advisory Board. And this is again from Washington Times. Buried deep within Obamacare is a provision that takes away health care from you and your doctors by taking away payment for critical health care that may be needed to save your life by this IPAB board. The board will be independent of you, your doctors, your hospitals, medical, Congress, judiciary, democratic process, ultimately even the Constitution itself. The Cato Institute warned us five years ago that the IPAB is independent in the worst sense of the word. Again, even independent of Congress, the president, the judiciary, and independent of the will of people. Medicare spending is projected to grow faster than the rate of the economic growth per data, and it grows every year. And Obamacare has left the IPAB with just two options. One, you slash payments to doctors, hospitals, and other health care providers under Medicare in order to survive the increased prices, which means people aren't going to get their care anyway and they might die. Or two, you deny specific health care treatments to seniors on the grounds that they are not cost-effective, just like the British National Health Service does for their socialized medicine so admired by the Democrats. Do you see this slippery slope that's in there? Okay, and again, they authorize Obamacare does not limit the IPAB from cutting Medicare and authorizes them uh, to, quote, maintain or enhance beneficiary access to quality care under Medicare. In other words, they control whether you get that surgery or not. They get, you know what, you lived a good life, right? Let's help you die with dignity. You're costing the system too much money. It's your patriotic duty to die. 15 to 20 years ago, what did Dr. Nathanson say? They'll call them thanatoriums. You take that elderly person there, and it's your patriotic duty to get rid of them. They're costing the system too much money. Folks, this is going on right now, 
as we speak. Now, what's weird is you see the people who were for this, the people that are typically in, involved in what we talked before in our prophecy studies, population control, right? Agenda 21, those things, where basically the elites want to annihilate 90% of the population of the planet, right? And of course, it's never their family. It's always somebody else's family, right? Well, one of those elites that we've talked about before, who's always big on population control is Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates, you're thinking like, what's he doing? He's working on computers. No, he's not. He's traipsing around the world, him and his wife, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and they're all about not just birth control, but he wants to promote a microchip birth control that they can control via a chip, you know, whether or not you can have babies. I'm not making this up. Check it out. He's also big about creating vaccines across the planet, but he's being sued right now as we sit here by many different countries because his so-called vaccines to help people are killing more people than helping them. But even Bill Gates, in a recent interview, admitted that um, we really need to have this death panel discussion, although you're not supposed to know that, because it's costing the system too much money. And we're going to have to have a choice whether or not we want to invest that money in paying teachers or knocking off your loved one who deserves to die. Watch this. So we're spending at a huge rate, which if it wasn't increasing faster than inflation, it's increasing as a percentage of the economy, then, okay, you can probably afford it. But as it continues to grow, it squeezes, unless people say, yes, I would like to be taxed a lot more. Uh, and most states have these super majorities that are required to do that. And, you know, it's not likely, and it's not clearly a, a good thing either. But unless, so if, as, as long as you're dealing with a finite amount, as the medical cost goes up, and that shows up both in state budgets as so-called state Medicaid spending, uh, and it shows up in the federal budget as, as Medicare, and they're part of, of Medicaid, it squeezes out everything else. Uh, so right now what you see is it's squeezing higher education. You're raising tuitions at the University of California at the, as rapidly as they can, and so the access that used to be available to the middle class or whatever is just rapidly going away. That's a trade-off society is making because of very, very high medical costs and a lack of willingness to say, you know, is spending a million dollars on that last three months of life for that patient, would it be better not to lay off the, those 10 teachers and to make that trade-off in medical costs? But that's called the death panel, uh, and you're not supposed to have that discussion. That's pretty sick. Now, of all things for you to do when you step down from your computer magnet that got you so rich, why would you be interested in population control issues? Well, wait till you see who his dad worked for. Watch that. One issue that really grabbed me as, as urgent uh, was, were issues related to population, uh, reproductive health. But did you come to reproductive issues as an intellectual? When I was growing up, my parents were always involved in various uh, uh, volunteer things. My dad was uh, head of Planned Parenthood. And it was very controversial uh, to be involved with that. So now you become a billionaire and you use that money and influence to continue that death mentality. His dad is involved, was head of 
Planned Parenthood. Full circle, folks. It starts with abortion. You roll over, you let them kill babies inside the womb. It leads to euthanasia and death panels. That's happening right now. Now you can kill uh, adults outside the womb. And again, this was warned about 15 to 20 years ago, but God warned about it 2,000 years ago. This is the brutal onomeros murder wholesale slaughter society that's coming when you turn away from God in the last days. Hang with me. i got to at least get this last point in there. I don't have time, obviously, to get into the genetic manipulation. But the other thing that Dr. Nathanson warned about, remember he used the term, they want to live forever to achieve immortality. And there is an issue with genetic stuff. I can't get into that right now. But he talked about test tube babies. Well, I just want to explode to you. I'm going to forecast for you. You think this is going to be wild, but you think what we just saw tonight was wild? This was a step-by-step plan. What is coming next okay, is what's called designer babies. Have you seen in the media that's already starting to be out there? It's soft disclosure. They're getting us used to it. And now you can now decide if your babies want blue eyes or is it a boy, is it a girl? Now it's moving to where would you like to give them super intelligence? Oh, by the way, each one of these is like an accessory on your car. More money, right? But they're also talking about longevity of life, right? Not only would turn on the genes, but say, hey, what happens if your heart just runs out? Right? What, what are you going to do? Well, this leads to, again, the mindset of test two babies, i.e. the issue of cloning. And I'm telling you what's coming next. You might call me crazy, but I warn you, what is coming next is they are going to clone people. They will try to convince us that these people are not people so that we can harvest their body parts like a crop. And that's what the rich people can buy to keep themselves from dying. Actual human body parts you grow people now you think well the cloning thing that just went away with dolly the sheep no it didn't it never has gone away and it's still going away listen to this this we thought it was just the sheep uh-uh they've already cloned not just sheep but camel carps cat cats cattle coyotes deer dogs frogs fruit flies indian bison goats horses mice monkeys uh rams mules pigs uh goats gazelles rabbits uh, again rats uh sheep uh an arctic wolf they're, they're, they're cloning all kinds of things. And, and that would include people. They have two different terms, real quick, of human cloning. One's called therapeutic cloning. The other one's called reproductive cloning. This is the medical term already out there. Therapeutic cloning would involve cloning cells from a human for use in medicine and transplants. That's an active area of research right now. Reproductive cloning would in, uh, uh, involve, listen, making an entire clone human instead of just the specific cells or tissues, because now you can get their body part. But again, I'm telling you, they're going to convince us that that's not a real person. Just like they say, that's not a real baby. It's a blob of tissue. This clone, which by the way, who's the author of life? In order to create a human clone, you still need a sperm and an egg. Even if it's in a test tube. But God's the author of life. So that's a real human. But they'll convince us just like in the womb. No, it's not a real baby. It's a, it's a blob of tissue. No, that's not a human. That's just a clone. They don't even have a soul. Let's harvest them like a crop. I'm telling you, folks. That's what's coming next. This has already been going on uh, for many, many decades of human cloning. In 2004 and 5, at the, uh, in uh, South Korea, at the Seoul uh, National University, uh, Hwang Wook-suk, uh, he made a breakthrough in human cloning. Uh, in 2018, just last year, they had their first successful cloning of primates, two live females, perfect clones, 
going on uh, as we sit here, okay? And, quote, advocates support the development of therapeutic cloning in order to generate tissues and whole organs to treat patients who otherwise cannot obtain transplants. Why? And I quote, remember what was warned about 15 to 20 years ago of all places focus on the family. To stave off the effects of aging. Wow. Crazy. Okay? Then he goes on and says this. Uh, uh, that uh, reproductive cloning could be prone to abuse, quote, leading to the generation of humans whose organs and tissues would be harvested. And, quote, religious groups are divided. What's the division on here? That's a human. All murder is wrong, be it a baby in the womb, be it a baby outside the womb, be it a young child outside the womb, be it a teenager outside the womb, be it an adult outside the womb, and be it you created a, a, the God creates life, but you made that happen in a test tube. Maybe it's not a womb, but it's a test tube. But that's still a human. Call it clone all you want. It's still a human. Now you're thinking, come on, we would never get to the point where we would literally harvest people organs while they're alive, would we? Folks, it's been going on for many years in China. Watch this. I am a doctor. And I've spent 30 years helping and saving patients. I never thought that I would spend 10 years of my life investigating how doctors killed innocent human beings. Changzheng Hospital of the Second Military Medical University in Shanghai reported that within three years, from 2003 to 2006. This hospital did 120 cases of emergency liver transplants, the fastest of which was within four hours of admission. It was cited as an incredible miracle in medical history. There is surely a possibility that they had a supply of people whom could be killed for their organs any time it's needed. Only under such a condition could they make the emergency liver transplant happen within hours. And, and here from, uh, no wonder illegal organ trafficking was suspected. 1999. And, and then a doctor in China escaped and exposed the horrors of organ extraction. Western Mountain Execution Grant. Surprise? When it cut through, Blood still coming out. That is to say, blood still running. That means this person still alive. And the gunshot wound is to the right, not to the left. So that is to say, to make sure this person is not dead. I cut through and to the both sides, remove the lever and to kidneys. It took me less than 30 minutes.
was in Beijing when the crackdown occurred. Watched it happen. Pretended to be a tourist, a lost tourist, and watched old ladies get thrown into buses. I didn't know what I was seeing. I found it very disturbing. This huge population, extremely vulnerable. Family didn't know where they were. Jailers didn't know who they were. And they became this just vast uh, sea of uh, expendable humanity. The year was 2005. A patient of mine came to me one day and told me, Doc, I have to tell you that I was scheduled to undergo heart transplantation on a specific date. And I looked at him and I said, how can they schedule a heart transplant ahead of time two weeks? I was in the labor camp, a town hall labor camp in Beijing for three years. Every three months, we got a blood test. An eye test, a kidney test, everything. No one in the mainstream press that have offices inside China are covering it inside China. And they're missing the story of what is one of the most catastrophic human rights violations in our time. After I left China, and my perspective totally changed, then I said, oh my God, I committed a crime. According to two Chinese news outlets in the U.S., the Epic Times and NTD TV. Two witnesses had testified there was a concentration camp in Xujiatun, China. Thousands of Falun Gong practitioners were imprisoned there and their organs were harvested by doctors. My ex-husband and I worked in this hospital from 1999 to 2004. I want to apologize on behalf of my ex-husband because he was a neurological surgeon who had harvested organs from these Falun Gong practitioners. I heard from my ex-husband that most of them had strong bodies. When their organs were harvested, they still had breath. After their organs were harvested, their bodies were thrown directly to the incinerator without any trace left. Isn't that what Hitler did with the Jews? What a... You wonder why God's wrath is coming? Did you see that one aspect? That was really freaky. They regularly had us do medical tests. How's your kidneys, by the way? How's your eyesight? Why? In case you were a match for some probably rich person who needed them. Aren't you glad that the government has taken over our health care? And one of the mandates with that health care is to make all of our medical records electronic and searchable in a big, giant database? And aren't you glad that we're all hooked on providing voluntarily our DNA samples? I mean, it's just to find out your ancestry. That's all they'll ever use that DNA sample for. Sounds weird. But we've come full circle. You started off by killing kids alive in the womb. And you harvested their body parts for medical purposes, even for anti-aging purposes. And now you're killing adults alive outside the womb to harvest their body parts for medical purposes. It's not coming here, is it? We'll close after this. Watch this in Georgia. It's the second time Jacqueline Johnson cried next to her son Kendrick's grave. The first time he was being lowered into the ground. 
This time, he's being pulled out of it. Did you ever expect you'd have to exhume his body? No, I didn't expect to have to bury his body. In June, Kendrick's body was sent to Florida. The Johnsons hired Dr. Bill Anderson to conduct an independent second autopsy. In that autopsy, Anderson told the Johnsons he'd found evidence that Kendrick died as the result of a blow to the neck and not accidental asphyxia after slipping into a rolled gym mat at school, as investigators in Georgia had said. But what Dr. Anderson did not find shocked them. When we got the body uh, for the second autopsy, that organs, the heart, lungs, liver, etc., were not with the body. The brain? The brain. They were all absent. Every organ from the top of Kendrick's head to his pelvis, gone. And his family had no idea. In the United States of America, you lied about his death. You say he asphyxiated, he got stuck in a mat. No, he was murdered by somebody coming and hitting him in the back of the neck. And then his body parts are gone. In the United States of America. Folks, we need to speak up on this issue of abortion because you're already starting to see the future of us for decades now keeping our mouths shut. And it's not only caused the death of 1.5 billion children growing even as we go through this study. But when you speak up on this issue, it might be your own life that you're working at saving. Because if they deem that you are mentally deficient or if you just happen to be a good match for somebody, don't think that they won't come and get you. It sounds sick, but this is what's going on. But we shouldn't be surprised because God warned us 2,000 years ago in the last days. In the last days, a brutal, sickening, anomeros, murderous, wholesale slaughter society is going to appear on the scene. And you wonder why his wrath will be poured out for seven years nonstop. This is the future And we need to speak up on this today. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, "...you shall not bear false witness." That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. 
The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what do we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. 
Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.